Welcome to Daystar Rising. I'm Keith Murray. And I'm Julie Murray. Join us for conversations about destiny, discernment, and the new spiritual paradigm. All right, welcome everyone. Good to have you guys joining us again. Let me introduce Julie right quick before we get going. Hello. Julie, good to see you. Hello, good to be here. Hope you all are doing okay, and for those of you who have listened, I hope that you're enjoying the podcast that we've done so far. I don't really even know what kind of category you Mm-mm. would actually say these things are because it's a strange sort of hybrid thing. <laughs> Everything and we do is that way, though. Seems like the majority of these, including whatever we're going to do today, is unscripted and impromptu. We don't have any notes. There's no notes setting out, or we haven't talked about what we're going to discuss or anything. So <laughs> they're probably like, "Yeah, we can tell." <laughs> probably so. Probably are, but we want this to be like, I mean, I mean, which is what it is. We have these kinds of conversations all the time in here, in, in the mornings or evenings, typically, and have over the years on whatever we're thinking about, whatever we're discussing at the time, like a lot of other people do, and so. We just want to invite everyone here in our home with our dogs as we explore different topics. And I hope that as we do, that um, it's going to be a benefit because we don't want to just be on here talking to hear ourselves talk or Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. If it's not helping anyone, we want it to be a benefit to folks. At the same time, I realize that it isn't going to there's a lot of people that aren't going to necessarily resonate or like this kind of show because it's, um, I don't know, it's, why, why would they not? I think for one thing, it's going to be one of the, the things that we're really trying to emphasize that I say trying, we're just doing it. Mm-hmm. We want to be very honest mm-hmm. and very transparent for mm-hmm. the most part. And that can get a little bit uncomfortable sometimes because you're shining the light sometimes into areas that maybe are not real easy to look or think about or that maybe in polite society we just look over and a lot of these things maybe we don't discuss. Mm -hmm. But usually what we have is a more narrow genre kind of thing, whatever it is. If it's a religious show, then what denomination? It's a you know, it's coming from the perspective of a particular denomination mm-hmm. of Messianic or Baptist or Catholic or whatever it is. Or it is a sort of this self-help, mm-hmm. uh, New Age psychology kind of thing. Or maybe some specific thing on interest that people have about things. And in this, you know, we just want to... We don't have these really high walls in our life, or mm-hmm. or I don't, I think maybe a lot of people do, of where my creative part ends, and then I've got my religious part, right. and then I've got my financial part, and social part, and all these kind of things. Somehow, at least I want to integrate those things more and more, and be more of who God has created me, and called me to be, to where I'm not lacking in any of those areas. I want to be fully who he wants me to be in all of those areas. And I think that this is something that you have, Julie, emphasized on your website, in your personal podcast, as well as a lot of writings and conversations that you had with people over the years. Yeah, well, just integrating the parts and being honest about our struggles. I think there are people out there that are doing that with podcasts and with other things. And those are the people that, well, maybe we don't all gravitate to them, But all of us that are honest with ourselves about our own struggles are the ones that are gravitating to these people. I listen to an art podcast by a lady. She and her assistant do a podcast whenever they can work it in. And usually they begin the podcast for some reason. When they hit the record button, they just burst into laughter and they can't stop themselves. And rather than edit that out, you know, it's kind of nervous energy. It's silly energy. But rather than edit that out, they leave it in there. And they've had so many comments of people that say, we love the fact that you just die laughing and can't stop because it makes you human. You know, you talk about your weaknesses, you talk about your struggles and your challenges, and you're honest about that. You're pretty transparent. You know, they're not necessarily, and I don't think authenticity requires us to be for full disclosure. 
of every single thing because there are people out there who overshare and we kind of want, we avoid those people sometimes. But just showing, and it's really, it just boils down to being human and showing the humanness because in order to become spiritual people from a religious context, you're going to have to struggle and be honest about the struggle, at least with yourself. You're going to have to reach for something different and better that is, causes you to reach outside those walls that you talked about that separate everything. And you're going to have to start trying to integrate everything down into one more unified whole because that's where and how we live our real life. We can think about the past and maybe mistakes or glory days, and it always has this filter, like you have phones that you can take pictures and put filters on, and some of the filters look like it'll say the past or something, I don't remember, um, nostalgia. And it puts this filter on a picture and makes it look old, or there's a thing that you can do that kind of amps it up like a goal or an epic thing in the future that maybe you want. The filter looks that way, and I think the way we've done it on our pictures, like on our phones and stuff, is kind of how we do in our mind. We just have a way of taking things out of the present moment and gilding it, whether for positive or negative, that kind of takes the realness away from it, the everyday workability of it, and that's where, that's where you build the spiritual life, is where you're actually living in your struggles, in your vulnerability, in the fact that you don't know what the heck you're doing half the time, but the Holy Spirit just causes you to continue reaching forward toward where you feel like you need to go, and then he'll help you course correct and all of that. When you started the podcast and you were talking about how we don't have notes and we don't know typically what we're going to be talking about, it could be anything, but usually the reason that I picked the tagline for that we picked the tagline for this podcast that we did conversations about destiny discernment and the new spiritual paradigm pretty much whatever we are talking about falls within those three things and when I say destiny when we say destiny we mean like purpose the goals the work the purpose that you're here to do the thing that the you, you that you know God is asking you to become or, or you're trying to get to the self-improvement in the things of God and in the things of your own soul that's yours to work out. And discernment in learning, you know, one thing that we've said before that characterizes, we think, this generation is deception. And you should even say, you know, take heed that no man deceive you. And so discernment is absolutely called for. I mean, you can't even turn on any news outlet that you're hearing all of these stories. You know, Trump makes people mad calling the media fake news and all of that. And however you feel about that, the fact remains that there are stories out there that turn out to be false, and everybody's got a slant. The conservatives and the liberals both have slants. And you can't just take everything at absolute face value. You're called upon, if you want to be empowered spiritually, you're called upon to hone your discernment muscle and to tell the difference between what something looks like it's, it's it's what it's posing as and what it actually is, whether that's inside your soul, in your close outer environment, or in even bigger things, more of a cosmological nature of how the universe runs and how God's kingdom runs. And then the last thing, of course, is the new spiritual paradigm. A lot of our conversations fall into that as we're talking about what we see God doing in the world, and as we see a lot of these religious institutions crumble as they've been. It's not that they're completely going away. The old form of them, of how they've been in the world and how people have interacted with them, that's starting to crumble a bit, and it's they're having to shift. And we've seen it here in our town. There are certain churches that just dry up and blow away, but then there are certain churches that kind of reinvent themselves. They go through an alchemical process, and a transformation process and they emerge a different structure that is more likely and able to meet the needs of their community and you know some people might criticize that well no you need to stop trying to rebrand yourself and stop trying to be hip well and I agree that you don't necessarily need to be hip but I do think that you need to have someone in your church in all congregations 
you need to have your finger on the pulse enough of what's actually happening in your society to be able to meet people where they need help. And so if you are transforming yourself as a church, like we've seen a couple, I can think of one specifically here in our town, if you're transforming yourself from an old, stodgy religious institution into something that is more progressive in the right way, that they are forward-thinking, they think out of the box, they try to meet people in the community where they actually meet the need. Like this church hosts a lot of programs, like the 12-step program and just different programs, and I'm glad to see it because this is where people in the community really need help. And so the new spiritual paradigm is actually about the ivory castles coming down and God being able to work through his people in such a way as to actually bring relief and help and break the yoke off the people around them. Real, immediate, in the moment. That's the new spiritual paradigm. That's very good. That's very good. I was thinking so many of the things that you said, you know, I kept thinking I'd like to get into that and then I'd like to get into that. <laughs> One of the things, you know, you mentioned fake news and uh, there's been so many examples of that over the years, but particularly it seems like that that exponentially we've seen so many cases of that mm -hmm. and a while back we talked about the Covington boys from the uh, school being at the uh, Lincoln Memorial wasn't it I guess Lincoln Memorial and Nathan Phillips the mm -hmm. Indian elder that was pounding the drum everybody probably unless you're living in a cave somewhere have seen that image Native American of the, elder. Huh? <laughs> Native American elder <laughs> What did I say? <laughs> you said Indian elder. <laughs> it's just more. It's 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 more acceptable yeah, to people. Yeah. Okay. It is. It is more acceptable. We try I to know. make people where I they know. are. Okay. Okay. All right. Anyway, so we've seen the picture of the young guy Nick Sandman, uh -huh. and it was presented initially, and even this Nathan Phillips, he in interviews was saying how he was afraid and these boys surrounded him and they were mm -hmm. shouting build the wall and all of this kind of stuff. <laughs> it turns out that he wasn't a Vietnam veteran like he was saying and that when more of these perspectives mm -hmm. of all of these cell phone videos mm -hmm. began to come out, hours of it, we began to see who the instigators were and who was minding their own business. And some people still in the media outlets or people that you may know in your family or on Facebook or at your workplace still are going to, they're so invested mm -hmm. in that storyline because it furthers their particular paradigm, no matter how distorted or accurate it might be. There's just such an attachment to the story being a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so no matter what facts, what evidence is brought out, they are still going to respond like a doll that you pull the string and say, well, I know, but still, that boy, should, he shouldn't have been smirking or he should have backed away and let this uh, elder walk through or whatever. And still, in spite of all of the hours of, and I, I don't want to get off on the discussion on this really, but recently with, what's his name, the actor in Empire, forget his name. Yeah. Well, he apparently set this whole thing up himself to make it look like that this was MAGA wearing Trump supporters. These... Paid him. Paid him, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's what uh, is being reported anyway. And that he was targeted because of his race and because he's gay. That was the whole storyline. And what a horrible country we live in that we've got these hateful Trump people that are going around looking for gay people or black people that they can beat up on or whatever. There's been a number of these things. And once we just take a little bit of time, because everybody seems like always rushes to judgment, the media to be first, and if, especially if it fits their template, mm -hmm. it's like the coyote and the roadrunner over and over. Every time They've got this new Acme thing, and this is going to be the thing that works this time to get the Roadrunner, and every time it seems to blow up in their face. I bring all that up on the fake news. One of the things that I always try to do in my teachings and that we try to do here with this podcast is connecting dots mm -hmm. and connecting the micro to the macro, the past to the future, 
the inner and the outer, all of that kind of thing, because there is a connection with all of this stuff. Yeah, integrating. Well, perhaps the biggest danger is the inner fake news. Mm -hmm. It's the fake news that nobody talks about because most people haven't discovered that it is fake news mm -hmm. yet. People are aware, you see all these polls come out, the media is not trusted very much, and anybody listening to this knows no matter which side of the political wow. aisle you're coming from, you probably don't have a whole lot of confidence in media to give you the straight truth. And you know that it's going to be slanted, that they're spin, that they're showing you these uh, only a, a little clip yeah. or two, or they're cherry-picking information to present a template, present this narrative that they want you to believe. Well, that's an outer deception. Really, the worst deception is the inner fake news mm -hmm. that's running 24 hours a day. This is something that we've talked about a lot over the years, not necessarily with the, the title or the, the label, inner fake news, but that's what we're talking about. Because a lot of people are like, what are, what are you talking about, inner fake news? Okay, we understand, <laughs> you know, that the, we've got these media outlets in, in print or on the internet or cable or whatever that are cherry-picking, that are distorting the truth and feeding us this narrative that's fake. So what do you mean exactly when you're saying inner fake news in these broadcasts that are going on internally all the time? What are some examples, typical of examples, of interfaith news that come to mind for you right now? Well, there's just the stories that we tell ourselves. I mean, you know, there's the origin stories that get built because of our wounds about ourselves and the world and God and our place in the world that usually come from childhood. But then, you know, once we establish these things as true, and often they're not because they're built on wounds and so they skew they skew your perception of who you are and your power and then when you feel inferior or not enough or whatever those negative things are from childhood then you project you know you have stories about well for this to happen my parents must not love me or they must not love me as much as they love my little brother or whatever and and then you know you come to believe that implicitly and then you create your own narrative and your own story based off of that. You know, all that you knew is that an action happened that made you feel a negative way. And then you told yourself a story like, well, they must love him more than me. You told yourself that story when you were little or what, how, in whatever form it was. And then that solidified down on the cement slab with mortar because you absolutely implicitly believe it. And so then to cover up that painful truth that isn't even a truth, but you believe it is, you project yourself out into the world. You do some kind of coping projection thing to cover the weakness or to not feel the weakness or like some people will start trying to people please. It's like, well, I didn't try hard enough and that's why they love my brother more than they love me, so I'll try harder. And you teach yourself this story that because they don't love me or enough, I have to perform extra hard to get at the same level. And you, you tell yourself this narrative growing up, and so you practice, you put into practice this whole action over the years of just doing whatever you can to make people happy with you, to accept you, to not rock the boat. And other people will rebel because it's so unfair and we ain't gonna take it and they depending on their personality they go the other way and so they hell raise and they just become this ass that causes problems everywhere they go and the whole thing about that that's so amazing to me and we all have them we all have these stories and these identities that we've built because of our pain stories we all of us have them the thing is, though, if we could track it back and sit with the process long enough to inquire deep enough and honest enough and be brave, we can track back to the thing that we seized on as an absolute truth that wasn't true. Often it wasn't true. Now, maybe some things are true that are painful. Maybe people do have horrific parents, but for most of us, most of us, we made assumptions in our early childhood based on the behavior of our parents that we just weren't in a position to make those judgment calls. We didn't see all the nuances when we were kids. 
We don't see all the things going on in our parents that make them act a certain way. Like if parents are stressed and they don't know if they can pay the bills, they may bite your head off continually because you're causing problems and they're just trying to focus on making a living, whatever. doesn't mean they don't love you. That's some just examples. But if we work back, whether through therapy or our own inner work or the Holy Spirit's leading us or all of it, we often find that the initial pain story that we told ourselves is not quite right. If it is right, or, or there's a truth in it, then it's incomplete. It's corrupted. It's, it's corrupted. It's not the version of the whole truth. And so we have built our entire projected social self on a thing that wasn't even true. And we perpetuate it. If, it, it this, here's the scary thing. If we don't ever come and have a come to Jesus meeting with ourselves and go through the process of dismantling, inquiring, exploring, and dismantling a lot of that. We go through our whole lives and all we do is build on top of it and build on top of it and build on top of it. And then when other people don't give us the response we want when we're grown, well, it's because I'm this, that, they don't love me. I mean, and these things aren't necessarily going on consciously, like just consciously in your mind. You don't sit there and say, my boss doesn't love me, my, mayor doesn't love me. <laughs> you don't, you don't say those things to yourself, but it cut their, their behavior when they don't give you what you want in the way that you want it, in the way you need it to not spiral in whatever way you spiral. It goes back to as a reinforcement of that original belief. See, see, all of these things are just proving to me that what I thought is true. No, what has happened is that you have created this narrative and this filter for yourself that causes you to interact in such a way as to cause behavior of a certain type to happen around you. And then by the time that behavior goes through the filter you have in place, it's all proof that what you thought was right is right. And the whole world is just a toilet and you are the misunderstood. And if you don't ever go through a process, an alchemical process, a come to Jesus crucible process of being honest and brave and relentless with yourself about yourself, you will continue to just put layer on layer on layer like onions, like anything that has a lot of layers until it becomes very, very hard as you get older to get to that place because even neurologists will tell you that as you get older, your brain and those neural nets, they're just not as pliable as they used to be. It's not as easy. It's possible, but it's not as easy to rewire. And the Holy Spirit can be in on that and can miraculously do a work with you, sure. But for you to initiate something on your own, you know, that's a very hard thing when you have a certain belief about yourself in the world and your place in it. If you see yourself as a victim of people who just don't like you, or just whatever, and, and that's just the story, the fake news that you tell yourself. You know, often, and we all have these things where, you know, seldom do we, something happen and we kind of get offended. Seldom do we say, okay, well, maybe that's true. Maybe they don't like me, maybe whatever. But what part did I play in engaging with this dynamic that could have led me here? Because eventually an honest person is going to have to say, in some way, i got to be my own grandpa here because all of these people across all of these parts of society, times in my life, jobs, different cities, I keep having the same pattern. And so the only common denominator in all these events is me. And if you're not willing to start taking a look at that and at least pulling the thread with truth and bravery because you, you want the truth to change you for the better, then you're going to have fake news your whole life, inner fake news. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much. It's really a big topic mm -hmm. because as we begin to pull on these strings and we begin to analyze this and let the daylight shine through in some of these dark places, Moving over into the area of Bina, into understanding, into analyzing and categorizing and showing contrast and distinctions in the different types of interfake news. You were talking about if we're honest and we try to be objective and we really want to become, begin to become one with the truth or know it, da'at, mm -hmm. and Adam knew his wife. And the two became one flesh. Basar Echad. Hebrew. 
In Hebrew, yeah. That is one of the, that is the characteristic of to know, yada or da'at, knowledge, to become one with. So much so that like if you're a musician and you're thinking about playing a note, a C note on the piano or a D note on the guitar, you've done it long enough that you don't have to think about it. You know it. You've moved past, you've so entrained and you've so developed the muscle memory and those synapses mm -hmm. and neural nets that you know how to make it. You don't have to think or analyze mm -hmm. or anything like that. Muscle memory. Yeah. And so when we look at ourselves, we begin to go back all the way back into childhood. And over the years, different places you've lived, your classmates, your school teachers, your coworkers, your supervisors, your parents, you're going to begin to see certain patterns and cycles that you go through. Mm -hmm in life of different orbits that occur a particular type of personality that you tend to keep getting involved in mm -hmm. or with whether you want to or not whether it's a co-worker or a boss or a spouse whatever Neighbor. kind of thing it is you keep having a similar dynamic happening over and over i think when we begin to sort of pull this all apart and look at it all of us have these proclivities so if what we're describing sounds like you, it sounds like everybody. Yes, it is everybody. The difference is most everyone has never really mm -hmm. taken the time and bravery and honesty mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to shine the light and really try to see it because mm -hmm. you're going to see some potentially ugly things about yourself sure. or about others or whatever as you begin to, to look at this thing. But it will begin to free you little yes. by little. It's sometimes that process of getting free can be pretty uncomfortable. It's going to involve some discomfort in the process to liberty and freedom. But I think that uh, let's say you've got a person, a man or woman, and like you were saying, that they've got this inner fake news, this inner story that's playing. A dynamic happens, and it's happened over and over. And so it's interpreted either, I think we could divide it this way starting out, okay? This happened because I'm unworthy, mm -hmm. I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm not pretty enough, I don't have the uh, self-control, I don't have the focus, whatever. I've got a deficiency and that's why this always happens. Which is or, in, yeah, when that's in the unconscious. It's unconscious, yeah. It typically is. I mean, you're not... They'll go on the offensive. Yeah. And so when a situation doesn't reflect your reality mm -hmm. back to you, mm -hmm. if that mirror shows something different, mm -hmm. mirror, mirror on the wall, if it doesn't agree with what your paradigm is about yourself your and image. the world, yeah. it's a threat and it is the enemy. Sure, sure. And whether you attack it in an aggressive way to try to destroy it and conquer it, or you retreat to victim mode. Either way, you do it. So the other it, side. The other side is it's everybody else's fault. Mm -hmm. This situation happened again because I'm smart, I'm good-looking, I'm a good person. They're jealous. I, I'm all of this, and these bad people that I keep having these situations... It's their fault, and you're going to justify yourself over and over and say, well, it's them. They caused it. And so those are two big separations of the inner fake news, and we can get, we'll get into more that are going to branch off of that, hopefully. Yeah, well, like, it's whether you tell it, the reality is I'm not good enough and you tank inside yourself, or... I'm not to blame at all, and it's their fault. It's kind of an all-or-nothing extreme. Like, different personality types fall out usually in different places. Like I said earlier, some people go on the offensive. Some people try to people-please. But either way, either way, these impulses are largely unconscious. Like, you don't necessarily sit here when someone offends you or makes you feel less than. You don't necessarily say to yourself... I'm unworthy, I'm not good enough. But you get triggered because those are the unconscious beliefs you hold. You're sensitive to people 
acting like they don't think you're worthy because ultimately you have the belief deep down that you're not, that you're not, that somehow you're damaged, you're inferior or whatever. And so you have, you're triggered by people treating you like you're not worthy, you know, talking down to you. They're just things that will really trigger you because you have these deep beliefs. But the interesting thing about it is that the aggressive person also unconsciously has these same unbeliefs. You may not can tell that looking at them. They may look very tough, but deep down they go on the offensive because anger covers pain and they're just not going to respond to it, react to it the same way other personality types react to it. They go on the offensive. But the core fear and the core wound is often the same. Yeah, I was thinking about examples as you were talking of different things, like with a person who doesn't go on the offensive but gets offended a lot. They, um, the person that tries to people please, sometimes they go on the offensive too because these beliefs are unconscious, but they go on the offensive in a different way. You know, they just think they're better they are looking down at me, they're insensitive, and maybe the person is, maybe the person isn't. It's like you said, if they don't give them the response or the grade or the recognition that they're looking for as proof of their validity because they feel inferior deep down, then suddenly they start acting like and treating the people that trigger them as holding the beliefs about them that they themselves hold about themselves. And the thing with when this happens, because it's going to happen in all of our lives, we are going to be triggered because we have weak places in ourselves. We have vulnerabilities, but where you kind of have to start this process where I had to start this process and it's not easy and you can't just reinvent Rome in a day. It's going to take time. And our culture is very, um, you know, ADD. They just can't sit down for very long and especially focus on something that could be very painful and could undermine the foundations of their built identity. And to me, that's kind of the value that has to drive all this. Yes, I've built myself an identity that pretty much I like or, you know, I'm happy with, it's stable enough, this is the way I see the world, but the higher value for us, we want the truth. And so if the identity that I've built doesn't align with objective truth, then I want to dismantle it. I want to align to truth, you know, and people will say, I want the truth, I want the truth. And what they usually mean, I've said this before, what they usually mean is I want more of what I already believe to be true. I just want more of it. Most people don't mean I want to melt half of my identity down or more to be rebuilt in a more true image. But where I would just suggest people start with this, you, you can't go from being in your easy chair and never exercising to running a 12 mile marathon. You just can't do it. It takes practice. And so for me, where I started with that was I would objectively, I would state an objective fact. Because the more you can stay in objective truth, the who, what, where, when, the observable facts, you're better off. And stop assuming assumption is your great enemy. Because assumptions is going to take you down that slippery slope of what you've believed to be true all this time. When you're triggered just get in the habit of saying, okay, I'm triggered. Okay, I'm triggered. Instead of just shifting into fight or flight, blame or deny, blame or get yourself off the hook, or what all of these behaviors of just lashing out at them or spiraling down inside yourself, just try to hold the ground and say, whatever is true is true. I am triggered. And I'm going to try not to do what I always do if it's attack or justify myself. And this will take a few times of practice of just being able to stand the ground and say I'm triggered and do nothing else. You won't be able to do that first rattle out of the bag. What happened to me was I would already be launched into my fake news behavior story. I would be halfway in it before I realized, oops, it's happened again, I'm triggered. And I, I couldn't even stop at that point. Just the chemical release in your brain that habit that you have created in your neural nets, when this situation happens and I feel this way, this is what I've trained myself to do. Whether that is use drugs, lash out and start an argument, play my music really loud and make everybody else the problem, whatever the behavior is, whether I feel like killing myself, 
you know, suicide is a definite, thoughts of suicide are a definite, this sounds strange to say, but it is, I'm not going to really call it a coping mechanism, but it's part of our trained behavior that we have, we've built in ourselves. You know, we feel so horrible that, you know, some of us may go down the I'm not worthy, we, we may do it consciously trail, and I just need to off myself because everything I do is a screw up and all of that is a, that is a loop, that is a pain story, that is a, it's a tape reel that when, when the music plays, when we get triggered and it, we, feel a cert, we feel a certain way, we get triggered, then it's like somebody starts a movie, they just hit play. And the movie, the little short movie of whatever our reaction is to this stimulus will play. And it usually, once it starts, it goes all the way through. It's a loop. It, it just goes all the way through. And at the end, when you have discharged your feeling, like grounded yourself again, like when you touch something, they say touch something before you pump gas so that you discharge the electricity out of yourself. Well, all these sorry feelings get pumped into your system by your brain, the chemicals released. And you have to discharge those awful emotions that you don't want to deal with and don't know how to deal with. And so this loop plays, even though the loop itself is painful or can be, um, it just discharges. And it's usually discharged. Phone ringing, sorry about that. It's usually, we go through this loop or halfway through this loop before we realize, oops, it's happened again. Like you think when you're in your right mind, you think you would recognize, oh, I'm triggered. But some of these things, these patterns are so ingrained. They're so ingrained in us, in us as normal, even if they're painful and we don't like them. We're so ingrained in our response. It's such an involuntary, unconscious response that to even stand in it while it's happening and say, in your mind, I'm triggered again, it's happening again. That is the first step toward self-empowerment even that very thing, even if you can't stop the loop once it's in mid-go, because you won't be in the beginning. If you've spent 15, 20 years of your life building an identity with these built-in security defenses and these built-in behaviors when you're triggered, you're not going to undermine them. You're not going to dismantle them in, in five minutes. You're going to have to practice, and you may have to go down the loop five, six, seven times before you're able to really fully start saying at the beginning, oops, I'm, I'm triggered. Okay, so the automatic response, I'm not going to do what I always do. I'm going to have enough consciousness in my mind, and you have to practice this a few times to even get to this point. Whenever this happens, I always fill in the blank. Okay, so I'm not going to do that next time this happens. I'm just not going to do it, no matter how justified, scared, mad, whatever the emotion is that causes you to go down that loop, to do that behavior that's often mostly self-destructive, you have to have the consciousness and it, you practice it to say, I'm triggered and I'm not going to scream at my spouse. Or I'm triggered, I'm not going to scream at my kids. I'm triggered, I'm not going to eat two pizzas. Whatever the behavior is, the coping mechanism or, or, or whatever, I'm not going to do this. No matter how powerfully I feel like doing it, because it's my physiology, my trained, ingrained physiology. People will say, I've heard them say, and they've told me, I don't know why I do this. I know it's not good for me. I, do, I just don't know why I can't do, stop doing it. It's because you've trained your body and your mind to behave this way when you're in pain. So the good news is, though, the really great news is, if you've trained yourself to do this self-sabotaging behavior, you can train yourself to do a behavior that is not self-sabotaging, but it's, you have to practice. I'm reminded of, because uh, some of you might be asking the question to yourself, well, this sounds like psychology, or it sounds like sociology, or it sounds like well, philosophy, or whatever. Works. Well, that, that's true, but where are you getting this stuff in the Bible? You know, <laughs> I get those questions quite a bit of like, well, that's, you know, Mr. Marie, that sounds really good. Where's all this in the Bible? Well, all the way through the Bible. Because we're talking about self-deception, interfake news, mm -hmm. and deception at large of getting into these patterns and loops of unconscious thinking and behavior. Mm -hmm. And I'm reminded in the book of Daniel, everybody's familiar with the story, that the famous story of the three Hebrew children and that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had made this law that whenever the music played, that everybody was to stop what they're doing and bow down and worship the golden image mm -hmm. that, that he had made. 
Babel or Babylon, as a lot of you may know, means confusion, comes from the root word meaning a, a mixture. So it's the land of confusion that we're living in here, that Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and uh, Daniel, these folks are living in the land of confusion there. And every time the music plays, everybody in the society automatically bows and worships that false, mm -hmm. that fake God. Mm -hmm. It's the same kind of thing that happens to us. It's entrainment, it is programming, it's brainwashing. And so when a situation occurs, most of the time the person is going to inwardly bow to the image that has been created inside that explains that they've accepted as the truth or reality, but most of the time it's not. I'm thinking also, throw these stories out real quick, of Adam and Eve, Adam and Kava, in the Garden of Eden. Once they had eaten of the mixed or fragmented, the energy of the fragmented and compartmentalized tree and consciousness, their sight changed and it began to be more of a self-focus and egoic, uh, egocentric, and all sorts of centric ways of seeing the world from then on, us and them, and that sort of thing. And so they realized they were naked, they were uncovered, they were vulnerable, they were weak. They saw this. And so the solution that they came up with was to, we'll make these aprons out of fig leaves to cover ourselves. Because they had been covered in light, the light is the Messiah is light. The light is the truth. I am the light of the world. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was this spiritual light that illuminated everything. The Torah, the law is light. Thy word is a light in my path, a lamp in my feet. The armor of God, the first thing mentioned is being guarded about with the truth. Your underwear that's covering you, like the fig leaves that they try to do, the true armor of God is having your loins guarded with truth. When your loins are guarded with truth, you're not vulnerable in the same way that you are if you've got a fig leaf or a denominational inner fig leaf that you've made. It's a whole different thing because the fig leaf when you're confronted with the truth, is going to keep falling off, and then you're going to blame these situations or other people mm -hmm. for this inadequacy, for yeah. this insecurity and all that. And I was thinking of one other narrative in the book of Judges chapter 9 that I'll let you talk about. When the trees went forth on a time to anoint a king over them or a ruler, a protector. Yeah, I haven't read it in a long time, so I'm not completely up to date on it, but just the story of they asked the olive tree, the grapevine, and the fig tree. Okay, so two trees and a vine, and they got turned down for different reasons, and then they decided to go ask the bramble, which is just a thorn bush or just like what it sounds like, to be the king over them, which you could spend days and days and days on the self-sabotaging nature of trees asking a thorn bush to be its king. <laughs> Which mean, is symptomatic of the curse. Because mm -hmm. once they blew it, thorns and thistles began to automatically grow mm -hmm. up. Well, and it's not even a real tree. I mean, it's not, it's a thing, but it's not. What always struck me is that you've got legitimate living things that have a type of glory. They have branches and leaves and they have roots and they have fruit, most, most of them, or, or they serve a purpose that animals can come and build houses in their branches or take refuge from the sun in their shade. But the bramble bush is, like you said, symbolic of the curse and just doesn't have as much observable benefit that a tree that would have more benefit it doesn't make sense that they would ask the bramble to be their ruler, except that's exactly what was done in the garden when Adam and Eve ate of this tree, and maybe they realized it, maybe they didn't. But there's this conversation, this dialogue with each of the trees and the grapevine, also with the bramble. They ask him to become their king, and 
there's just this dialogue he accepted, but something, and I, again, I have to go read it to see what the wording is, but what I come away with is, if you're willing to accept that fire will come out of the bramble and burn you up, then I will be king over you. And that's by memory, but there's something odd there about a fire going forth from the bramble and burning. And they agreed. And this is just very disturbing. Like, I liken, and the reason you want me to talk about this is because I'm always talking about the story of the bramble, liking it to how we do what you have now called fake news inside of ourselves, that rather than take refuge under the word, leading of the Holy Spirit, objective truth, we've taken refuge under our own beliefs that we have come to based on pain in situations we don't understand. And yes, granted, most of this happens when we're in childhood. So we just don't have all the faculties necessary to defend ourselves against trauma and how to explain that trauma. But then as we get older, what's our excuse? The only excuse we really have as we get older is just habit, force of habit. But then I don't want a jacked up fire, a strange fire, coming out of a symbol of a curse to come and burn me up as payment for its rulership over me when I shouldn't even be bowing down to this thing to begin with. And so to me, this whole process of bringing the light of truth, and I say that phrase a lot on my blog and on social media, I continue to say that phrase a lot, the light of truth is so important. We have to be willing to bring that into our life and into every area of our life if we want freedom and liberation and empowerment and transformation. It just doesn't come any other way. And you can take a course and you can read a book and you can pick up some really good stuff in self-help. You can. Just some grounded wisdom and I would recommend that anybody go find a really good grounded wisdom teacher and just hear what they have to say. But sooner or later and ultimately, the only thing that is going to transform our souls and by extension our families, by extension our towns, by extension our world, is bringing the light of truth bravely and unflinchingly inside of our own being and facing what we don't want to face and then being willing to align to it, being willing to change what we've always told ourselves, what we've always done, who we've told ourselves we are, our very identity. You know, because when we think we lack or when we do lack self-worth, we engage in all kinds of behaviors to either cover that up or make us feel worthy that are bramble, that are bramble behaviors and bramble patches. They make us feel better in the moment, but they don't really help us. Fire goes out of the bramble and consumes us. And even just, and I'm not trying to be condemning in any way, I'm just going to give an absolute flesh example of this, just of what, just something easy and simple. I used to, whenever I would get upset or feel not my best, maybe just had a hard rough and tumble day where people just kind of were maybe mean to me and and I just emotionally felt hurt or a little triggered, I would, you know, go get a pizza or I would go get some Mexican food or I would make my favorite casserole or whatever. And I would just sit down in my pajamas or whatever and I would eat, you know, 40 pounds of something because it was delicious and it made me feel better. But I was doing it to fill an inner hole. And I like good food, but the motive was self-comfort to fill the inner hole that no other human was doing for me or giving me. And ultimately, you know, we like support and acceptance. Of course we do from the people we love. But ultimately, it's going to be up to us to give ourselves what we need. And I'm not against doing things that bring us comfort. And I'm not against self-nurturing or self-care. But in the area of self-sabotage, we really have to critically examine some of our behaviors. If we are motivated by a sense of self-nurturing, that's one thing. If we're motivated by self-comfort because we're hurt and it is a coping mechanism to make us feel better, and if that behavior causes us to take in, just in this example, a food that's not good for us or too much food where we're eating way too much more than what we need, that is a self-sabotaging behavior. 
and just being willing to be honest about that and to get really curious and brave about what is motivating something. Because people will say, well, there's nothing wrong with eating a good meal. No, there's not. But if you have a habit of constantly doing that to self-comfort or getting Route 44 Cokes when you've got diabetes or you know anything that's going to cause you to do something for yourself that gives you a sense of comfort but is bad for your body and you know it, that is self-sabotage. And those, those are the things that have to critically be examined. And you don't have to change everything in one night. But we have to be willing to take a look at them honestly and bravely. Separate the wheat from the chaff and be able, like the word, rightly divide the word. Splitting the bones and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. To really say what is the energy driving this behavior and being able to be honest about it and face it. We're never going to be able to change our behaviors if we don't. And we're trying to change all these things we don't like and we wonder why we're not getting any results. It's because we're not going in, in truth, calling things what they are and sitting with that and letting that soak in on us and us accepting it. It's good stuff. There's so many uh, things. Maybe we'll, uh, in the future, take some of these different aspects of the interfaith news and get into it more because I'd like to, because I'd mm -hmm. like to talk about Kane syndrome mm -hmm. and many of other Uncle Rico syndrome. Uh, you know, from Napoleon there's so many uh, good examples in our pop culture. pop culture as well as in the Bible that shows the disconnect between the self-image and the true authentic person. And so I hope that maybe today we've given you some things to consider and think about and maybe you've seen yourself in a lot of these descriptions of the interfake news and these stories and tapes that play or a spouse or someone that you know that you're like, oh yeah, that sounds like, maybe that sounds like <laughs> me or that sounds like so. Sounds like so. everyone. It does. So anyway, thanks again folks for joining us and we look forward to getting back to you again soon, hopefully. See ya.